As soon as I came in the door, my mother would take me by the shoulders and she would draw me to herself and she would smell my sweaty head. And she would say, oh, I can see where you've been walking. From a very young age, my mother uh, pushed me out the door to go on long adventures by myself with my dog, Lady, who was a German shepherd. She believed that uh, girls and boys' lives should be replete with wonder and adventure, so she would, even at age six, she'd say, go out into the woods and go find something new. And so Lady and I would traipse out there. It was a different day. Birmingham, Alabama in those days was filled with, uh, with, uh, with forest meandering through its different uh, nascent suburbs. And there I would go. And when I would come in from our adventure after a few hours, she would take me by the shoulders and she would draw me to herself and she would stick her nose in my sweaty head and she would inhale and her, her face would light up in a smile of delight as if she had just uh, caught the scent of ambrosia. And she would say, oh, I can smell where you've been walking. I always found that was that curious is not downright uh, silly until Kay and I had children of our own. And when our three would come in from playing outside, I would get off, off my chair and I would draw them to myself and I would smell their sweaty head and I'd say, oh my goodness, I can smell where you've been walking and I could see the trees above their head and the grass beneath their feet. I could, I could catch a hint of the critters and the friends with whom they had been playing. And it delighted me to know where they had been walking and to see it. You know, we very often talk about our walk, our walk with Christ. But I don't think we linger over that enough to know how important it is. To be a Christian is not to live by some philosophy, it is to, to walk. To be a Christian is undertake a walk with Christ. That's why in the Gospels, when he passes by someone, he always says, follow me, get on your feet and begin to follow me. Because the walk makes all the difference. And in the gospel lesson today, Jesus very early in, in his ministry, probably with only about five disciples at this point, uh, Peter, Andrew, James, John, perhaps Matthew, they walk up a grassy hillside in Galilee where they all lived. And he sits down and the crowds are just clamoring around him, but he draws, he draws the disciple close to him just like a mother draws her children to herself. And he begins to tell them what a walk with him looks like. Yes, what does it look like? He gives them their traveling instructions. In effect, he gives them their walking papers. And he starts off not by telling what the walk looks like as much as what the destination uh, is going to be for them if they undertake this walk. And he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are meek or humble. And of course, by this point, 
the, the, the five disciples or so are just saying, my goodness, what is he talking about? This is the antithesis of what we considered the good life. The Roman Empire was ubiquitous in the Mediterranean world. And there, what they considered the good life looked nothing like that. Their, their understanding of the good life was wealth, status, and power. What is this, what is this rabbi talking about? And I imagine it sounds like the antithesis of life to you. But I promise you, the destination that Christ offers far out distances anything you'll find, you'll find by pop popular culture. Blessed are those who know they are poor. It takes a long time to get there, but eventually most of us get to the place where we're so fortunate that God takes the legs out from beneath us. The legs are finally knocked out beneath us and we realize that we are not the complete woman. We are not the complete man. And we desperately need, we desperately need something beyond ourselves to make us whole and complete. You heard Mike Kiyabasa talk twice in the last month saying how blessed he was sitting on that porch, miserable about his life and about what it had become. And he sat down and he said to God, I have tried it my way for 20 years. I'm ready to try it your way. And then life finally alit on Mike Kiyabasa. I've told you time and time again, the, the best Christians I know in the kingdom are recovering alcoholics and recovering drug addicts. Why? Because they wake up every morning knowing without a doubt they need a power beyond themselves to truly be themselves. That they're not complete on their own. Blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who can, who can identify with this world that we have and begin to truly truly mourn with the brokenness they see around them. You know, one person that taught me a lot about this is Barbara Black, who has led our schools and has and invited us into James Madison. She told me eight and a half years ago, she said, don't come here to this school with your, with your, with your parish, with our parish. It's Barbara. She was baptized in this parish. She said, don't come unless you're interested in relationships. We're not interested in handouts. And this is what happens when you begin to mourn for the world. You begin to no longer see us and them. Only us. Only us. And if we're in a quagmire, it's our quagmire. If this nation is a mess, it's our mess. If San Antonio is not what it ought to be, it's because we're in the middle of it. Blessed are those who mourn. They no longer see us and them. Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who are humble. Those who don't think they know it all. You know? Blessed are those who realize that this life is an adventure. That there's so much to know. You know, this year, uh, just a few months ago, we had to bury Dr. Wendell Peden. I, I, I visited him every week in the nursing home for years. And uh, we'd read together and talk he never lost his fascination of the natural world. Up until the end, he was telling about the right kind of grass that American bison needed. He told me how, how animals and, and, how, uh, and how people can stay healthy. He was, he was like a, an encyclopedia. And he kept on adding to that. 
Blessed are those who don't think they know it all because there's so much wonder out there that God wants to give us. There's so much. I sit and read the Bible in the morning and I just say, Lord, there's so much more you need to tell me. Help me to be hungry for what you have. So there's the destination, those three things. Poverty, mourning, humility, right? But then, then the Lord, as He so often does, He starts telling us what the walk looks like. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness as they walk along. Blessed are those who do not leave well enough alone. Blessed are those who see what needs to be repaired and they do something about it. Well enough is not good enough for the kingdom of God. You know, our senior warden is General Daryl Jones. A distinguished career, any three-star generals had one. And yet, in his retirement, he decided to take on uh, leading a group of mainly retired military families up in age, about 1,100 of them. And as I've watched him through the months, especially of COVID, I have been absolutely astounded at how he's taken care of them. How he's insisted they get the very best care. How he's insisted they get the very best food. How he has insisted that they still be able to have some kind of little cocktail hour. How he's insisted that, that their place be safe because well enough is not good enough. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. You know, when we talk about righteousness in the Christian faith, we mainly talk about how Christ makes us righteous to God. We can't make up the distance to God. And so Jesus, Jesus makes up the distance. You know that story, surely. So He is our righteousness. But then He expects us to be righteousness in the world. If you think this is some inane kind of, kind of saunter through the park, we're not supposed to be doing anything, think again, and it matters not what your age is. And it matters not what you've done in the past. It begins today. Blessed are those who hunger for righteousness' sake. Blessed are those who extend severe mercy. Now this one's easy for me. You know, as we mature in our walk, we begin to realize how much junk God has taken off of our shoulders. Last week, we had Jim Warner, and he had us do this, he had to do this exercise where all these burdens of our yuck and our sin and our stuff, we were able to lift up and, and take it off. Well, of course, we can't take it off without God. He's the one that lifts it off of us. And as I've matured... <laughs> My wife may debate that, but uh, <laughs> as I've tried to mature in Christ, I have become more and more aware of my sin and of my shortcomings, of the, of the words and the actions and the thoughts and all that yuck, and God has taken it from me. I would say it was a front-end loader full, and I would say it's a dump truck full, but actually, in my case, it's one of those excavator trucks full of stuff. <laughs> And if that's the case, and I imagine it's the case for you too, who in the world do we think we are withholding mercy from someone else? What kind of arrogance is that? And yet I see it in our families over and over again. I tell you, blessed are the merciful. Oh, the utter bliss of the merciful. They shall receive mercy again and again. Blessed are those... Blessed are those who operate from the heart, not just the head. 
Blessed are those who operate from the heart, not just from the head. You know, our head is wonderful, and I'm, I'm a real noggin person. I love to live up my head. I love to read. I love to study. But my head can get me in trouble. Larry Mills, who talked to us about five weeks ago, the great, the great business uh, uh, educator and coach, says, Beware when JR shows up. Anybody knows Larry's heard him say this. Beware when JR shows up. Beware when justification and rationalization shows up. In our minds, we can justify and rationalize just about anything. Well, you know, they got themselves into that mess. Oh, well, you know, the Democrats are in power. Look what they've done. Uh, oh, well, you know what? I can withhold this from them because, you know, I've lived a pretty good life and they've kind of stunk theirs up. That's JR. Christ calls us to operate from the heart. From the heart. And from the heart, we will make the right walk. And the people around us will be touched and they'll be changed. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Oh boy, we're gonna we're gonna need we're gonna need troops and troops of peacemakers. If I hear one more, if I hear one more debate about whether or not we wear masks or not, or or whether the numbers are right, or any any other such thing, I think I'm going to jump off the Tallahatchie Bridge. And now we have an election afoot, and not everybody's going to get their way. Do you know that? Not everybody's going to get their way in this election. You do know that, right? Might as well own up to that. Not everybody's going to get their way in this election. And so, and I'm a patriot. I I cast my vote. I've worn the uniform of this nation. I am I'm definitely a patriot. But I want to tell you a couple of things. One is, no matter who's, how, those who are elected that you like, those who are elected don't like, there's only one that sits upon the throne of the universe. It's Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. If you don't believe me, read the Revelation of St. John, the last book of the Bible. Only one sits upon the throne of the universe. It's Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And by the way, politicians crucified Him. You know, to let you know where that goes. Uh, okay? Our elections, our politics matter. They do matter, but they do not matter ultimately. You hear me? They matter, but they do not matter ultimately. Our faith matters ultimately. Our relationship with Christ matters ultimately. Not an election. Now our work is to work for peace. If you've been an entity with somebody because their politics aren't the same as yours, I beg you to, to make up the distance because that is not us. We are Christians. Blessed are the peacemakers. There'll be lots of peace to be cast. And by the way, Jesus says, if you think everybody's going to like you because you do this kind of work, think again. Because he goes on to say, blessed are you when you're persecuted, when people revile you and say all sorts of stinky things about you. <laughs> blessed are you when he... Well, why would, that, why would that make you blessed? Well, because if you have not done or said something that matters in a long time, who would take offense at you in the first place? You become so absolutely inane. When you stand up for what is right and good and holy, good, get ready for the world to say no thank you and try to shut you up. 
Blessed are all of us when we walk that way. Blessed are we. Now speaking of someone that walked that way, I want us to remember Bishop Fry this morning. The most celebrated man in the parish. Died just a few days ago. Eight and a half years ago, he invited Kay and me to his home to have dinner. And that's when they lived outside of Bernie, big old house. And so we were there with Andy Davis, you know, that she lived with, with them for 20 years uh, or longer. Uh, she, of course, was on the Brady Bunch. And so we're sitting down having this dinner, and all of a sudden, a large Latino family came and sat down with us, too. And we just went on about supper. When the dinner was over and I got, uh, and, and, and I was talking to Bill, uh, he said, oh yeah, this family was homeless and they couldn't get work, so we invited them to live with us. <laughs> Just like that. Now you, you can fill in the blanks here. Family that couldn't find work, Latino family couldn't find some place to live. Bishop said, come live with us. And he caught a lot of stuff about that. Here's the, here's the key. Bishop Fry and Barbara loved the Word of God so much they were in the Word all the time. But rather than just let it stay on the page, they began to walk with Christ and that led them to do some things that were risky and brought them some derision. That's the way it works. And I don't know anyone, I don't know two people that died happier than those two. Do you? I don't. There's no such thing as an armchair Christian. There's no such thing as an armchair Christian. In fact, the word we use most for Christians is pilgrim. We're people on, we're people on, a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a walk, on a pilgrimage. The word pilgrim comes from the Latin uh, uh, peregrinus. Uh, para, through. And uh, green means field and, and land. We are people that are walking this land in the fields uh, of this earth, making a difference. In fact, peregrinus, of course, you can, you can figure that out. That's where we get the word peregrine falcon. We are people soaring through this world, soaring like, like a peregrine falcon. That's the way I want to be known. And if we walk that way, there's going to be an aroma that sits upon your head like a crown. And everyone who comes in contact with you will say, Oh, oh, I know where you've been walking. Can I walk with you?